For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death, and the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if, the, and if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal, mortal bodies through his Spirit who indwells you. So then, brethren, who are, <clears throat> we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For, if, for you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption, as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, in order that we may be glorified with him. Amen. Thanks, Kelly, for reading that. If you get your Bibles out and your sermon notes, and let's dive into God's word this morning. And we are in the Romans road trip. As we walk through the book of Romans, and, uh, and we are slowing down as we get to Romans 8. We've kind of been taking a chapter at a time, but when you get to Romans 8, this is really the essence of our Christian life. This is the totality of the biblical record, as someone once said. It's the sum of everything that we believe about our Christian walk, and so we're not going quickly through it. In fact, last time we just uh, got through one verse, Romans 8, 1, but today we're going to go through the first 17 verses because they're speaking in context to that first verse. And so get your Bibles out and begin to follow along as I tell you where we're going to be. And then also take notes in your Bibles as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Because this is so important what I'm talking about today. That you will live a life according to the Spirit of God. That we would follow the Spirit rather than the flesh. And God has a lot to say to us here. And so Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The last time we were together, we talked about this idea of no condemnation. That is good news. No condemnation for, or, or I should say, how is this possible, or when is this possible? Because this idea, no condemnation. Can you think about that as Romans 8 once it begins? It says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. You don't have to fear God's wrath. That's what he says right there at the beginning. And then he ends with, there's nothing that can separate you from his love. Wow, good news, huh? So no condemnation. But when is this? And the Bible tells us, therefore, there now is no condemnation. It's not some future existence that when I see God or when I get to heaven, someday there won't be any more condemnation. There is no condemnation now. So when the enemy comes in and tries to condemn you, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And so we have to say, right now, I do not stand in condemnation. I do not stand in fear of God and fear of His wrath against me. I stand in His love and that nothing can separate me from His love. And that's right now. The second question is answered in verse 1 as well. There's no condemnation for who? For everyone? No, for those that are in Christ Jesus. So those that are in Christ. And this is one of Paul's favorite phrases. Because he talks a lot about being in Adam. Because we're all in Adam as we're born into the human race. And we're all sinful. We're all miserable wretches. We all have that uh, default setting in our humanity to sin. And so, yeah, we're in Adam. But when you're in Christ, and Christ is in you, I want to tell you there is no condemnation. See, that again is the good news. Who is it for? It's for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it tells us that grace is always greater than sin. Grace is always greater than sin. And where, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. It's always greater. It's always bigger. If you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And so now as we continue on in chapter 8 in these next verses, we're going to ask the question, how is this possible? How is this possible? I mean, this is such good news. When you think about it, that I don't have to fear God's wrath, that nothing can separate from, me love, from, from, from His love. I mean, this is such good news. How is this possible? It's almost too good to be true. But look at verse 2. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. How is this possible? Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death and death. It's available to everyone, but it's only for those who are in Christ. Because those that are under the law or in the law, there's no hope. I mean, Paul was a pretty good guy, wasn't he? I mean, he was a Pharisee. He tried to do good, but he was dead in his trespasses and sins until he came to Christ. The law can't save us. It can only condemn us. It can only point and highlight the sin in our life. And, and so the Bible tells us that Jesus has set us free from the law. How is that possible? It's because He came and He died on a cross for our sins. There is no condemnation when we follow Christ, when we walk according to the Spirit, because Jesus died on the cross for our sin and the guilt and the shame that we are to bear, He bore for us. Our sins are forgiven. We are new. And we get to walk in the newness of life. See, that's what we get in Christ. That's what it's all about. And He fulfilled all the requirements of the law. He lived a sinful life. He, did, uh, he, he, he died on the cross. He did all those things for us so that we would be free from the guilt of sin. But it's more than just being free from the guilt and the shame of sin. He also releases us from the power of sin. And that's what we want to talk about in these verses. It's not just that I am now free from the guilt, but I'm also free from the power that sin has in my life. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus and who walk according to the Spirit. Look at verses 5-8 through eight in your Bibles. We're not going to read them, but what it's teaching us as you look at them there, it's by setting our minds on the things of the Spirit and not the flesh, we're able to enjoy life and peace with God. So how is this possible? Well, I'm going to have to walk by the Spirit and not the flesh. I've got to tune myself not into what I want, 
but into what God wants. And when we talk about the flesh, we're not talking about our body or something physical. We're just talking about what we want to do. What we would do in our default setting. And, and we know that we're fallen. We know that we're sinful. And if I just do what I want to do or what the world tells me to do, I'm not going to be right with God. I'm going to be far from God. I'm going to be trapped in my sin. I'm going to be a slave to that sin. I'm, I'm going to be under the curse of sin. And there's nothing I can do to make myself better so I can please God. I, if I live by the flesh, I'm going to reap what the flesh has sown in my life. Or I can choose, as Paul says here, to live by the Spirit. There's no condemnation, not only for those that are in Christ Jesus, but also for those who walk by the Spirit. This is very important. That we would walk according to the Holy Spirit. Because you can choose to walk according to the flesh and reap the consequences thereof, or you can choose to walk according to the Spirit. And I want to tell you today, and I know this is a bold statement, but I want to tell you today, that if you walk by the Spirit, God will never steer you wrong. When you do things God's way, you're doing them the right way. And when you are Spirit-led and in tune with the Holy Spirit, listen to me, you can't sin. You can't sin when you're being led of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said in his time here on earth, and we'll talk about this in the life of Christ, he gave us a lot of teachings, a lot of commandments, but the bottom line Jesus said is, I want you to follow me. Follow me. What I love that he, he didn't say was, um, you have to follow me perfectly, just right. Don't make any mistakes along the way. No, that's not how it goes, because he knows we're fallen. He knows we're going to sin. John tells us in his epistles, if you say you don't have any sin, well, you're lying, so so that's going to happen, but that's what I love about grace, is we get right back up, we keep, we keep following God, and we follow Him according to the Spirit. And you know what it says in Romans 8.28, if you keep going, it says, even if you make a mistake, all things work together for good, for those that, that are called by God. And we're going to talk about what that means in the weeks to come. But again, this idea that, that if I walk by the Spirit, God is not going to steer me wrong. And even when I do make a mistake, he's going to make it right. Because that's the consequences of living by the Spirit. If I live by the flesh, I'm going to reap death. But if I live by the Spirit, I'm going to reap life and peace. That's what the Bible tells me. And so then there's this temptation when we talk about the Spirit and the flesh to say, okay, I'm going to stop thinking fleshly and I'm going to start thinking by the Spirit. I'm going to try harder to live according to the Spirit. I need to stop you right there. The Bible tells us you have been set free. You've been set free. This is not about trying harder. This is not trying to think a new way or have a new mindset or I'm going to shift my paradigm. So I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to think according to the Holy Spirit. You have been set free. This is a fundamental change that happens when we're full of the Holy Spirit. We become a different person when we walk according to the Spirit. This isn't trying harder. This is in relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to get this. I've been trying to think, how do you explain this idea of a fundamental change when you look the same? What happens? Well, I, I thought of marriage. When you walked into the church as a, as a man or a woman, or wherever you got married, you walked in as a single person. You walked in in your own identity. But then when you came together and, 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 and the pastor was there or something happened, but it, it was in the eyes of God and the company of the witnesses that something fundamentally changed and you became one with your husband or your wife. And as you exited that building, you were fundamentally different. You may not have looked different. You may not have thought you were different. You may not have felt different. But you were different. 
See, you were changed. It happens when we have our children and you become a mom or you become a dad. Something fundamentally changes inside of us. We have a new calling. There's a new paradigm that we live by. And again, it's not just that I've changed my mind. No, I'm a different person now. And that's what we have to get in the Spirit. It's like, I can't live this way in the flesh anymore because I don't belong in the flesh. I belong to the Spirit. I've got to change the way I think. I heard it illustrated this way, that, that we live under the law of gravity. If I take a ball and I throw it as high as I can in the air, at some point, gravity will take over and that ball will come back down to earth. But if I take a bird in my hand and I release it into the air, gravity is no match and it just takes off. See, that's the difference of living by yourself or living by the Spirit. And I love in chapter 8, verse 9, if you could look at that, Paul gets very personal with the Romans, but the Word of God is not just for the Romans, for you today. Look at verse 9. He says this, You, however, he's speaking to you that are in Christ here today. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit dwells in you. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit resides in us. You are playing on a brand new team now. You are a new person. You have a new identity, a new mentality. You have a new direction for your life. You have new desires in your life. You have a new destiny for your life. Why? Because you belong to God and you are full of the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you look at the rest of verse 9, it's not a rosy picture for those that do not belong to God. It says anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. See, you belong to God today. I want you to get that in your heart. You don't belong to the flesh. You should not be operating in the fleshly world system. You should be operating according to the Spirit. And so that takes us to verses 9-17. through And when you look at those verses, it says, We enjoy the indwelling Spirit of God by whom we put to death the deeds of the body and we enjoy both a present and a future blessing as children of God. See, God has given you His gift. He has called you His child. You are heirs with Jesus Christ. All the promises of the Bible belong to you because you are Spirit-filled. And, and I want you to think about that. I want you to get that inside of you. Now, we have kids, and, and in our house, if, if one of the boys all of a sudden starts cleaning their room without being asked or doing the dishes, uh, oh, please, Lord, let this happen, um, was being nice to their siblings, was speaking respectfully to us as parents, and, and this was happening, my first response would be, son, what has gotten into you? You know, what's this change that's gotten into you? And I believe that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, when we're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen to me today, people should be asking you, what's gotten into you? What's gotten into you? You're different. Something has changed. Something is, is different. And we can easily say, well, we are in Christ. We are full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I am baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, I can't be captive to the flesh anymore. I've got to walk according to the Spirit. See, I've been given life in the Spirit. I have been set free in the Spirit. I have a new beginning in the Spirit. And thus I must live according to the Spirit because I have been fundamentally changed by the Spirit of God. I want us to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to look at this passage of Scripture that parallels what we're studying here in the book of Romans in chapter 8. 
And in this chapter, again, I want you to keep studying Romans chapter 8 in your quiet time, but also add and, and put together Galatians chapter 5, because this is really important. And it's kind of an even more in-depth teaching about walking according to the Spirit versus according to the flesh. It says in chapter 5, uh, beginning of verse 16 in this familiar passage of Scripture, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For, those are, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, I want to pause right there, and I want us to see that you cannot walk both by the flesh and by the Spirit. You can't do both. They, they are polar opposites, and you cannot walk in both. You've got to get that in your heart and life, because a lot of times we think, well, I really want to walk in the, the Spirit, but so often, you know, Paul says, you know, what a wretched person I am. I just keep going back, I go back. No, we don't belong over here. And if you find yourself living in the flesh, living as the world lives, not really caring what God thinks about you, there will be consequences to walking in the flesh. And we're going to look at those in just a moment. But as well, there are consequences, or we could call it fruit, of walking in the Spirit, of allowing the Spirit to have control in us. It's it's the same as I can walk in the blessings of God, or I can walk in the cursings of God. Let's continue on in verse 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, there are natural consequences to walking by the flesh or walking by the Spirit. If I choose to do what I want to do, if I walk in the way that I want to walk or the world tells me to walk, we just read some of the ugly things that will be manifested in your life. And you will walk away from God when you walk in the flesh. But the natural consequences of living by the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit that we just talked about. And see, the problem for most of us is we say, I really want the love, joy, peace. I want the fruit of the Spirit, so I'm going to really try to be loving. And to try, No, it doesn't work that way. It's not about trying to, to, to get this fruit. It's about the fruit is just there because I am walking in the Spirit. I am yielding to the Spirit that lives inside of me. That I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That I have waited on God. That I said, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Is that your prayer every day? God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I know we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and with speaking in other tongues. I, I understand that. But it's not a one-time experience, guys. It's an ongoing thing. Be continually filled with the Spirit. Every day, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that in our lives. And when we have the Holy Spirit in our life, the fruit is going to be there. You don't have to try to make that fruit happen. It's going to be there when we are following the Holy Spirit. Now look at verses 16 and 17. The last two verses we read in this passage. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs 
with Christ. It goes back to our identity, just as we looked last week, that we are in Christ. But Paul wants to make it very clear to us that we are a part of God's family. In the verses just before these, he's talking about him being our Abba Father. That we are in close relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then if God is our Heavenly Father, that there would be a resemblance of God in our life. And you know what's interesting? It always talks about walking according to the Spirit. That there's a walking, that there's a living out according to the Spirit. This idea that I'm going to live this way out. I'm going to walk according to my Heavenly Father. And when I do, and that fruit is in my life, I have the assurance that I am a part of God's family. That I don't belong to this world. That I'm not part of that group that Paul talks about in another book that has a form of godliness but denies the power. But that I walk with God and I have the power of God at work in my life. And when I walk with God and when I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I am the heir of all His promises in His Word. I am joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And so in chapter 8, here at the beginning, there is a call out there. He wants you to become who you are. Who you are called to be. And listen to me this morning. I don't care how you feel. The Word of God is telling you this morning. He is calling you a child of God. He is calling you a friend of God, as it said earlier in the book of Romans. He is saying you belong to God. You are to walk full of the Holy Spirit. You are called to be in relationship with God. That's what we need to do. See, when we have that relationship, we have the fruit. We have all the blessings. We don't have to try and get them. We don't have to try and work for them. We've got them because we're in relationship. That's why we have to yield ourselves to that relationship. Because when we have it, we are free from the power of sin. Not that we'll never mess up, but we're free from the power of that sin. How are we free? It says to those whose minds are set on the things of the Spirit. See, that's how you get free from the, the, the power of sin. Those that have their minds set to the things of the Spirit. Also, those that have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Those who have put the, the deeds of the flesh to, to, to rest because of the Spirit in their life. To those who are the children of God and the joint heirs with Christ. I want to tell you this morning, that's your call. To take up who you are. Become who you are. That child of God. Full of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite um, opportunities is to teach a lot of the freshman classes at the Bible College here. We get new students every semester. And I'm just so thankful for the the new students that are here. That are a part of our church. That will be helping with the the new service we're beginning next weekend. and, And just good hearts. And one of my favorite parts of that first class is I, I just have them share their testimonies because I don't know them. They're, they're from other places and they come in and say, tell me about how Jesus became real to you. Tell me how God led you to come to Bible college. Tell me what God's doing in your life. And they begin to tell these stories of their life. And, and as I hear these stories, there are a lot of gory details, if you will, and, and, and the past life that they've lived and everything, and then how God has changed them, and, 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 and you, sit, you see these sweet people sitting in front of you, and you're like, how in the world you used to? And, and it's, you know what I love about testimonies? It's not the gory details. It's that the person that's telling it is a changed person. It's not the same person. That God did something. They are in Christ 
They didn't have to wash themselves up and get better. They're changed. I love the power of a testimony. It's the power of a changed life. And so what is your testimony? Have people asked you recently, what's gotten into you? See, we need to have the power of God at work in our life. But let me tell you, there's some risks involved. Because when I yield to the Holy Spirit, I'm giving up control. I'm giving up my rights. When I say I want to walk according to the Spirit, Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me, guide me, fill me with your power. When I say, God, I want to be in relationship with you, I want to be close to you, I'm, I'm giving up my rights. And you know what? When you, when you start yielding to God, you don't know how much it's going to cost you. You don't know where it's going to take you. And you don't know the extent at which it's going to change you. But I want to tell you, when you follow the Holy Spirit, God will never lead you wrong. He'll never steer you away from the best. I want to tell you today, that's the best way to live. I want you to get that inside of your heart. I want you to be in relationship with God. I, uh, I have to travel and, and teach, and, and it is, it's a blessing. and I, um, It's an honor, really, to, to get to go to other churches and and, and teach and, and, and preach. But I, I, I have to be honest with you, I, I love being here. I love being at home. I love my family. I love my church family. I, I don't like being away. Um, and while it's an honor and a privilege and it's a calling, I, I like being at home. And one of my favorite things about coming home is walking out of O'Hare and seeing our minivan pull up and seeing Leslie and the boys in the minivan. I love that. And, and they're excited. I'm excited. I get in the van and, um, and we start talking about my trip and what they did while I was gone. And it's just it's kind of a joyful reunion. And it's kind of a celebratory uh, time. But I know that at some point in the ride from the airport to our house, the question will come up. Dad, did you bring me anything? I know, it's coming. It's going to come up. And they know to ask because I, I buy. Because I want them to know, hey, I'm thinking about you while I'm, I'm away. And I, I want you to know that I love you. And so, uh, you know, so yes, I, I got you something. Oh, can I have it when we get home? Absolutely. And so um, we unpack very quickly when I come home from trips. But, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's a joyous thing. But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about it now that I'm in my 40s and and, and my dad's heading off to India in a, in a few weeks, and he'll come back, and I'll pick him up from the airport. And, um, and it'll be the kind of the same celebratory reunion as I see him coming out, and it's good to see him again. And he gets in the car, and he tells me about his trip, and I tell him about things here at home. And, 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 um, and what's interesting is it never crosses my mind to ask him, Dad, did you bring me anything? And I thought about that. What changed? And the reality is, I'm just glad he's home. I just want to be with him. I'm glad he's here. I'm glad we live close. I'm glad he's at church. I, I love being with my dad. He doesn't have to bring me anything. I just like being with him. That's where we need to get to with our relationship with God. It's not, God, did you bring me anything today? Oh, God, I just want to be with you today. I just want to be full of the Holy Spirit today. 
See, when we live that way, we don't have to try harder. We've been set free from trying harder. That's just going to be the fruit. So I want you today to get that inside. I'd like you to bow your heads and your hearts with me today. I just want to spend a little time with the Lord. I purposely have ended early today. Because we need to wait on the Holy Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to just have some time in our life. And, and what I want us to do is, as Jonathan comes to just begin to, to play softly, is I want us to just get into that place where I'm just happy to be with God. I'm just happy to be in His presence. You want to say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh, fill me anew. You might want to just lay it down and and if you've been trying to figure out your own life and do things your own way, this is the time to just, in this quiet moment of prayer, lay it down. Say, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power, God. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For those that walk according to the Spirit. And so I'm going to be quiet now and I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit talk to you. And I'm just going to let you have some quiet time with God this morning as you yield to Him. As you come into relationship with him. And then we'll have a time of of singing and praying and worshiping. But just this is just your time with God right now. Thank you, Lord. share this, but I just want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I want to give you time in in the presence of the Lord, but I just sense in my spirit that there are those that are going through some heavy moments in their life, and they're not sure what to do, and and, um, maybe not even sure of of, um, if they can trust the Spirit, but they're just trying to get these things accomplished on their own. And, And I just remember the words of the prophet to Israel when Israel was facing an enemy that's not by might it's not by power but by my spirit says the Lord and I want to tell you today that if you are walking through a difficult time the spirit of the Lord is calling you to trust him to walk according to the spirit to place your trust in the power of God You don't have the ability to do it on your own. And there will be consequences of trying to do it on your own. But in the Spirit, there is life and there is peace in the midst of the storm. So I encourage you today in the Spirit to follow the Spirit even in the most difficult days of your life. God will be with you. He will never leave you. He'll love you with that everlasting love. And He will never steer you wrong. And even if it's the worst situation in your life, He promises, we're heirs to His promises, He promises that He will work all things together for good. Hold on to that this morning and allow the Spirit to speak to you.
Hallelujah. Is there anybody that feels led of the Spirit in this quiet moment to just share a word of the Lord? I want you to feel the freedom. I want you to feel the freedom in the Spirit to share. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord.
There's something beautiful about being in the presence of the Lord and allowing the Spirit to speak and to work. And I never want us as a church, I never want you as an individual to be uncomfortable in the presence of the Lord. It's good to wait on the Lord. It's good to have these moments where His Spirit just speaks. It's just being in relationship. It's not the busyness and noise of the world that satisfies. It's moments like these where God speaks by His Spirit to our spirit and we just become His. Holy Spirit, I just thank You for this morning. I thank You for what You are teaching us through Your Word. God, I thank You what You have taught us even through Your words today that You spoke to our congregation even here at the end. May we just be sensitive in Your presence. May we never be in a hurry. May we never be uncomfortable. And Lord, if we ever find ourselves tempted to go in that direction, that we would just settle ourselves in our relationship with You. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us afresh and anew that we may be Spirit-led people. No condemnation and no separation from Your love. God, we love You this morning. And we honor You. Again, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and I want to give you an opportunity if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior to yield your heart to Him. Before we go this morning, I'm going to ask you to to pray this prayer with me. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching right now, or maybe you're listening, but I want to give you that opportunity to surrender your life and you will be changed. You'll be a new person. You've been here this morning and from the beginning of the service, you just know, I can't do my life my own way anymore. I've got to submit to Him. I've got to accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and that He died on the cross for my sins. And you want to step into that new relationship with Jesus this morning. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. And I'm going to ask all of us to pray as I pray up here just to to reconnect and say, God, I want to be in Christ. I want to be in relationship with You. So if that's your prayer today, would you repeat it after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. You're a new person. You've been set free from the law of sin and death. And um, if you gave your heart to Jesus Christ for the first time today, or maybe you rededicated, we got a packet up front. I want you to take it. It's got a Bible in there. And that's the first thing you need to do is read your Bible. And when you give your heart to Jesus, you want to see what He wants to say to you. He wants to speak to you through His Word. And so there's a Bible in there. There's a lot of information about following Christ, about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, all those things we talked about. So grab that. You need to, you need to come to church and get more of God in your life. And the most important thing is you need to tell somebody about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus today. 
And uh, if you gave your heart to the Lord today, I'd love to talk to you after service. Or if you want to talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, what that means, or being prayed for that, I'll pray for you. If you came late and you, and you need communion, we can, we can do communion over here. Uh, but I'll meet you down here if you want to pray today, if, if you want to talk today. And um, what we do every communion Sunday, every first Sunday of the month, is we receive an offering for the poor. And so we're going to do that right now. We're going to um, receive an offering for those that are in need, obviously with the economy. There's many families in our church and outside of our church that need a lot of help. Uh, this has also gone to bless missionaries on the field that have been uh, just in, in situations where they, just, they weren't able to uh, function anymore because their money was gone. This is a gift to those that are in need. And so uh, if you are in need today, I don't want you to feel any obligation to give. This is not the tithes. This is an offering above and beyond for those that are poor. But if God's blessed you this month and as you do your bills, you have extra money at the end of the month and you want to give it to the Lord so that he can bless people that are in need, that's what this offering is for. And uh, so uh, I'm going to invite the men to women to come forward. And as they do, we'll pray. God, we now give, uh, just living out our spirit-filled life, God, we give to those in need. That's what you've called us to do in your word. So God, I thank you that this entire offering will go to help people that find themselves in difficult situations. And God, I pray that as they receive, they will see that you love them, that you care for them, that there is some place they can turn, that they can always come to you and you will provide their needs according to your riches and glory. And so God, we just pray that this offering would meet all the needs. And uh, God, again, thank you for this opportunity uh, to sow into you. It just shows that we've been blessed by you. And so thank you, God, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you give this morning, uh, when we're going to go in in just a moment after our blessing, uh, just want you to make sure that you look through your bulletin, that you look at the calendar, that you place it somewhere where you can see it, because there's so many great activities coming up at Christian Life. There is not a weekend that goes by that God doesn't do something amazing. And not only has He done it in the service this afternoon when we go to the movie together and, and the men of our church get together, uh, God's going to do a great thing. There's special things every weekend, whether it be a special concert event um, or the chili cook-off or different things. There's something special that we want you to be a part of. You don't want to miss a minute of what God is doing at Christian Life, and this is the best way to keep in touch with what God is doing here. As you leave today, I want you to fellowship with one another. I want you to go out to the lobby and sign up to, to take the Life of Christ class for the Bullathon, for all the different things you can sign up out there. If you're coming for pizza tonight, let us know. We want you to be there. Um, but there's a lot of things to sign up for. But do that after you fellowship with one another. And would you stand for the blessing of the Lord? The blessing of the Lord is what He has given to His children, the people of God for generations. And now this blessing is upon you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May He show you His favor and give you His peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon us as your children, God. You've called us your friend. You've called us to be your children. So God, we walk in that blessing this week. God, keep us safe. Keep us strong until we can gather together again as a church and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord, isn't it? It's been a rich day. If you want to spend a little more time with God, you can do that in here. Pray with anybody that wants it down here. But definitely fellowship with one another. Sign up in the lobby. God bless you this week.